0: If we understand what it means to live in Christ, if we understood what it meant to live in Christ, if we understand what it means to live in Christ, to be the church, our city and our world would never be the same. Never be the same. Would never be the same. Would never be the same. Never be the same. good singing, what, good, what a good way to open up a worship service, declaring how good and how great God is to us. So Father, we do thank you this morning. As we take our Bibles and we open them, we know that we're opening the book that is life, the book that gives life, the book that instructs us on righteous living, on confession and remorse and hope and healing and peace and strength and endurance. And Father, I pray that this morning you would be all of those things in us. God, I thank you for your wonderful mercy that is new every morning. I thank you for the blood of Christ that cleanses every sin and all unrighteousness. I thank you that through Christ we are new creatures, that old things are passed away and all things are made new. And Father, as we reflect on all that you've done, all that you are, Lord, would you teach us to genuinely, openly express that adoration that we have or should have for you with one another. Lord, that we would not be afraid to declare out loud that God is good and God is great and God is faithful. Lord, that you would show us how to be people from many different nations and cultures, God, that you would show us the very best way for us to lift up our voices to you through either singing them or through poetry or whatever, God. But you would teach us the, or grant to us the gift of adoration. Help us to use it and then to glorify you with it so that people would be drawn to you. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a good day because we get to be in church together. This is a good day because 29 years ago, Gail looked at me and said that I will stay with you for the rest of my life. And I believe had she known all that was entailed in that, 29 years ago, she'd have said, hmm. But she has been wonderful and great and faithful, and I'm grateful to God for her. So... And I'm grateful for you. Yes. So let's take our Bibles. Let's go to the book of Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. Because from 4.22 until 5.14, really we've got a section there inside this book on purity. Purity. And Paul is telling us to take off some things, and he's telling us to put on some things. And then in verse 15, where we're going to spend our time today, 15 through 20, he tells us a response to this spiritual changing of clothes, if you will. He offers us some instructions about what to do on the backside of what he's told us to do. Fair enough? So let's go back to 4.22 where it says to us there um, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt. And then he says, he tells us what to take off. And then we read on down and he says rid yourself of this. And then in chapter 5 verse 1 he says be imitators of God as dear children. And he says I want you to put on love as Christ has also loved us and given himself love as a sacrifice and then in verse chapter 5 verse 3 he says to put away immorality and he tells us to put away impurity and he tells us to put off filthy talk and coarse jesting and then he tells us to put on um, the Lord Jesus Christ so then we get over to this chapter 5 and we get to verse 15 and in response to telling us to change clothes, to take off the dirty clothes of sin and to put on the clean clothes of Christ. In chapter 15, he says, See then that you walk circumspectly. In other words, with intention, with purpose, with, with wisdom. He says, not as fools, but as wise. So he says it's a fool to know that God wants you to spiritually change clothes. In other words, to put off some things, And he wants us to put on others. If we choose to walk around in the dirty clothes of sin, he says, that's foolish. He said, it would be wise for you, though, to put on the things of Christ. He says, put on love, put on purity, put on good relationships as we continue to go forward. So he says, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Now he's told us not only to change clothes, to take off the dirty clothes of sin, and to put on the clean clothes of Christ. He tells us to walk wisely, he says, because the time is short. So many times we think, you know what, when this or that happens, God, I'm going to get right with you. When this or that happens, God, I'm going to change my ways. When this or that is going on, then God, you know what, I'm going to get serious with you. When I get married, I'm going to get serious with you. When we have children, I'm going to get serious with you. When my health starts to fail, well then God, I'm going to get serious with you. And God says, no, I want you to get serious with me right now. Walk wisely because not only are the days short, but the days are evil. Now listen, why does that matter, short and evil? Short means you may not have a whole lot of time. Evil means means that it is stronger and bigger than you are on your own, and you can get sucked into something that you cannot get out of or get past apart from him. He says, so wake up, O sleeper, arise from the dead, walk wisely because the days are short, walk wisely because the days are evil. And then he puts the therefore. Now listen to me. In Scripture, when you see the therefore, it means for this reason. We've said it before. I want to know what the therefore is there for. The therefore is there because of all that he's told us from chapter four twenty two, down to now this verse in chapter 5. He said, because I want you to spiritually change clothes, I want you to take off the dirty clothes of sin, and I want you to put on the clean clothes of Christ, he is now about to tell me how to do that. So let's read. He says, therefore... Do not be unwise. Now listen, if God says don't be unwise that many times in that short a span, guess what God wants you to hear? Don't be unwise. Be wise. He says, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Did you know that this is one of the strongest verses in the entire Bible that admonishes or encourages us to worship together as a family? He says, speak to one another. Submit to one another. Well, guess what? You can't be speaking to one another and submitting to one another if one another ain't together, right? So oftentimes preachers will say, Oh, the Bible says forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And I really believe sometimes people in the room say, Oh, he just wants folks to show up at church so it looks good. No. It's a biblical command that is tied directly to the victory that you have as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's just told us to put off all these things that are ugly and sinful. And he tells us to what to put on. And then he says, therefore, go to church with one another. Submit to one another so that you don't fall into the trap that I just told you to avoid. He's saying, be careful. And look how he does it. This is almost a Second um, Chronicles chapter 20 thing. Remember when Jehoshaphat was going up against the, the armies of, uh, that were greater than him. Any one of the armies were greater than him, but all three allied together. And, God, and he said that he feared, he was afraid, and he called a fast. And people came together to fast. People came together to pray. And then this one guy named Jehoshaphat stands up and says, This is what I want you to do. Don't send out the warriors, send out the choir. Because the victory is in the music. The victory is in the worship. The victory is in the adoration. The victory is in the praise. He says, so therefore, if you people, if you church, if you church of God, if all of us together collectively, if you want to have a weapon in your arsenal to overcome sin, he says, come together and start singing. Singing to one another. You hear it? He said, sing to one another. Look at that person next to you and said, hold on, I'm fitting to sing to you. Oh, it's fixing to happen here in just a minute. I promise you. But he doesn't just say sing to one another. He says sing to the Lord with all your heart. So victory is in the music. And then he says, but not just some, any music. He says, I want you to sing to one another in Psalms. Now, that would be something like out of the Old Testament, out of the book of the Psalms, right? David would have said, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul, God, longs after you. And David understood changing clothes. Because David had worn some dirty clothes. (laughs) And he said, God, as the deer needs water, I need you. But he says, not only to sing of the song of, of a psalm. But he says a hymn. Now a hymn would be a longer composition. The hymn would be something that you would write in that moment of deep thinking where you would want to declare the goodness of God, the character of God, the nature of God, or the comfort of God, such as when your family is sailing across the ocean and at a spot they had a storm and the boat sinks and all the children die and mom survives. And the hymn writer can say, it is well. It is well with my soul. It is well. You see, God says to us, I want you to change clothes. God says to us, I want you to have victory. And the God of the Old Testament told the people of Judah to sing your way to victory. And now he's looking at us and saying, come together. Come together. And in adoration and in declaration sing. And then he says, not only do I want you to sing in songs and hymns. But he says spiritual songs. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I lift my voice. I love you, Lord. Doesn't make sense to me. What makes sense to me is that I I get up, I buckle up, I wake up, I dress up, and I show up and fight harder. But that's the paradox of Christianity. I'm weak when I'm, I'm strong, when I'm weak. I stand when I kneel. I win when I sing. And it goes so against culture culture right now is teaching you got this if it is to be it's up to who it's up to me and god says no come together connect to me and then build a chain to the people of faith that are around you which goes back to that little simple verse the cord of three strands so paul after this whole exhortation on purity then begins to talk to us and says that the victory can be found, or one key to the victory is in coming together in worship and adoration with one another. So let's look at the instructions that he gives to us here. The first thing that we see is that, is that Paul is commanding us to sing. He's saying, I want you to sing. So let's begin to understand not only the, the what he wants us to do, But the how he wants to do it. Remember I tell you all the time that when you approach a a passage of Scripture that you want to look at it and ask yourself some questions. Is there a question to answer? Is there a sin to confess? Is there a command to obey? Is there a promise to claim? And I believe in here that there are multiple of those that we will identify this morning. But the first thing I want to tell you is this. That worshipful singing follows fullness. Go back to it. It says in, there in verse 18 of chapter 5 when he says that, Therefore do not put, be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, is there a command to obey in that? Yes, there is. Do not be drunk with wine. Okay, that's the command, but this is not a sermon on the ills or the ideas or any, even any thoughts on alcohol. Because while he says do not do this and it is a command it's not really what he was trying to teach us in this moment. What he was trying to teach us he says do not be drunk with wine that's dissipation but be filled with the Spirit. He, how do you get drunk with wine by the way? How much of it do you drink? You just drink and you keep on drinking right? He says do not be drunk with wine the clue to the, the The answer is in the question or in the command. Do not be drunk with wine. He says, do not be drunk with wine. But what he's telling us really also here is the way that you get drunk with wine is in the consumption. And the way that you get filled with the Holy Spirit is in the consumption of God. You consume Him. You turn it up and you go, that was so good, I'm going to turn it up again. You know the old things where you've your finger in the, in the jug and you lay the jug on your arm and you just turn it up? He says, I want you to turn up some Jesus in your life. He says, I want you to turn it up and drink it till it's just spilling out. My grandson, Chase, when you put a bottle in his mouth, he'll get to, um, we get to do that every once in a while when we get to babysit and Dallas isn't around but he wants it, and then he just starts drinking, and it just goes all over him. You know what I'm talking about, that stinky, rotten neck roll thing? It ain't good. But when you turn up some Jesus, and he gets in your neck rolls, that's okay. He says, keep on drinking. Drink Jesus. He says, this is how you get full of him. You fill yourself up with him. Now, where do you do that? You do it in the Word. You do it in prayer. And then you do it in singing with other people that are around you. You come to church, you get together and you look and say, Man, I don't know if I can make it, but I looked over there and I see Stefan, and he's here. Man, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged. It begins, worshipful singing is from the fullness. It's an overflow. How are we filled? We're filled by Consumption. Further study on that if you want to know about it. And we're going to talk about it next week. So reason I'm not going to talk about it today. But I gave you some verses to read that will help you to understand what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So when you come in here on Sunday morning, you're not ready. You're not waiting to get ready. Paul is telling us to be ready when we walk in the door. He's saying, I want your sins confessed. I want your thankful list to be filled. I want you to remember, great is his faithfulness in my life. When I was hurting, he was faithful. When I was in a happy moment, he was faithful. When I was in a moment of need, he was faithful. So at the moment that that first note is struck, we are singing, you God are a shield to me. You, God, are my fortress. You, God, are my anchor. You, God, are my healer. You, God, are my comforter. And it's coming from, by the way, when you're drunk with wine, does it alter your behavior? Well, that's a, I guess that's a good thing. Take my word for it. Um, Steve told me it did. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> so I've heard. Yeah. It will. It alters your behavior. You begin to act in a way that's not normal to you or is different than you, how you would when you're not filled. So what he's telling us is a way to know that if you're in that moment of fullness, that moment where everything is just, man, God is amazing, you are filled, it will alter your behavior. Sometimes it's going to alter it in such a way that you can't help but raise your hand. Sometimes it's going to alter it in such a way that you cannot help but bow your knee. Sometimes it's going to alter your behavior in in that you can't help but smile and say, Woo! God is good. But sometimes you're going to shed tears and say, God is gracious. But that fullness elicits a response that's under the control of the Holy Spirit. And you're going, where did that come from? And it came from God filling you up. But you see, some of us have conditioned ourselves to be a gas nozzle. What does a gas nozzle do just about the time the car's, before it overflows? It cuts off. And it cuts off so it won't spill out. And we've conditioned ourselves to be a gas nozzle Christian. Because about the time we get almost full to the point of overflowing, we go, whoa, that's too much God. I'm not going to let y'all see me spill out today. Because you're going to judge me. Or you're going to think I'm crazy. Or you're going to think something. And I, I want to control your response to me, of me. And God says, don't worry about the person next to you. Spill out on them so hopefully they'll get some too. Worshipful singing is a begins, it follows fullness. But worshipful singing is from the heart. Look at it. Let's go back to the passage where it says to us in verse 19, Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, To the Lord. You're familiar with the expression. I love you with all my heart. I'm going to give it all my heart. In other words, that's the declaration that I'm going to give it everything I got. And then I'm going to scrape the bottom and see if there's any more. And I'm going to throw that on there too. I'm going to give it everything I have holding nothing back. Now I want to ask you a question. When was the last time you came to church and during the singing portion of the service you gave it all your heart? When was that moment? For some it was today. Some it may have never happened. Now hear me. Do not confuse this. All your heart is not the best answer. Always. All your heart is not the loudest singer. Always. All your heart is not the most outward display of emotion. Always. Although it could be any one of those things at any point in time. All your heart is an honest conversation between you and God. And saying, God, I don't know if today's the moment you want me to cry or if today's a moment you want me to dance. But God, here's the whole heart, and I'm giving it to you. Do with it what you will. With all my heart, it's there. God, all my heart, I give it to you. All my heart, God, you work in me. It says, sing, make melody. Because some days when I walk in here, it's full. God, you're great. Some days I walk in here, it's it's heavy. God, your forgiveness overwhelms me. Some days we walk in here, and God, you are the only hope I have. It's him. Worshipful singing is not only to be to God, but this goes back to the point I made just a moment ago. It says that worshipful singing is to be to one another. Go back, let's read it just so... We're clear on what the scripture says. It says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me that my singing, good, bad, or indifferent, is actually for you? Bless y'all's heart. I mean, really? But it is. Why? Why? Because when I am in the valley of despair and I am sitting over there and I look over and I see someone with their hands up crying out, God is good, God is faithful, God is amazing. I'm going, wait a minute. I'm encouraged by them. It doesn't say anywhere in the passage, be the best Stone statue you can be for God every Sunday morning. Uh Uh-oh. In fact, it never says be a statue for Jesus anywhere in the Bible. It actually says be an engaged living vessel. Pouring yourself out so that people will see your good works and they will glorify the Father in heaven. That they will be encouraged. That they will keep on keeping on. Did you know that your voice... And your reaction to worship today absolutely could have been the Aaron and her to someone's life. You know the story, right? Moses, children of Israel in a battle. As long as his arms are up, they win. When his arms fall down, they lose. Aaron and her look over and see Moses' arms hanging down and the battle going the wrong direction. They run over there and they hold him up hold his arms up until the battle is won? Would you not even consider that your call is Aaron, that your call is her, and that there are people who are watching you to see how you respond to the situations in your life? And when you declare before the situation happens, I'm not going to church today because dot, dot, dot. You fill in the blank. Now, I didn't say there are not not valid reasons. There are valid reasons sometimes not to come to church. I get that. But when the answer is, I don't feel like it. Your Aaron or her may be sitting in church or you may need to be the errand and her to somebody. You see, he said, I want you to sing to one another. So what are the implications there? First of all, he says, get together and sing. Small groups, corporate worship, riding in the car sometimes. It's a wonderful response to who God is, to a conversation, to sing. Sing to God who he is. Use singing to encourage one another. Use singing to disciple one another. Look at this in 1 Corinthians 14, 15, and 16. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit. But I will pray with my mind, I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when they don't know what you're saying? In other words, you can in your spirit inside go, God is good, but how do I know? But it says that when I take it to my mind, it's the, the idea there is I take it from my mind to my mouth, it comes out and they can go, man, look at them. Wait a minute, God. I'm going to take inventory right now. You're good. You're faithful. I'm going to sing it out to you. But by the way, just think about this too. Here's another thought on that. It's just because I sing doesn't mean it pleases God. Amos 5, 23 says, Take take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not even listen to the sound of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an everlasting stream. So not only when it's that moment to come together to sing, should I participate, But it's also the moment that we come together or that I'm already prepared to reflect. God, why am I singing? And listen to me. There are days that you will sing that you don't feel like singing. There will be days that the words come out that you go, why today? And you do it because it's right. It's like exercise. There are days you don't feel like exercising, but you do it because it's right just because you don't feel like it doesn't mean your heart's right in fact the day that you don't feel like it may be the day that your heart is the most right because you say God even though my emotions are at this moment in charge I'm going to do it because you've commanded me to sing to you with all my heart and with the other people that come together so singing Worshipful singing follows fullness. Worshipful singing is from the heart. Worshipful singing is to be to one another. Worshipful singing is to be to the Lord. Go back with me to verse nineteen, where it says this: speaking to one another and in, in one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. It is to be to the Lord. True worship involves the Trinity. Um, we are singing from a fullness of the Holy Spirit we are singing to the Lord Jesus Christ but if we go down to verse 20 it says giving thanks to the Lord giving, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father do you see we're singing from a fullness of the Holy Spirit we're singing to the Lord Jesus Christ we're giving thanks to God the Father We're involving the entire trinity in this process. True worship embraces God in His fullness. To the Lord means for the purpose of pleasing Him. I think this is why so many songs, worship songs, songs of the church are written not in... He is good, but you are good. It's to please the Lord. You are worthy. You are faithful. Your grace is amazing. Your hope is eternal. Great is thy faithfulness. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Early in the morning, my song shall rise to thee. It's another word for you. Come, thy fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing your praise. You are Lord. You are Lord. You are risen from the dead. You are Lord. This has an empower. This has a powerful impact on how we conceive or perceive worship. It is the tuning up, if you will. Have you ever noticed that before a musician plays specifically a guitar or a stringed instrument, before they actually play the instrument, what do they do? They They get off to the side of the stage. They they hit a string and they turn a knob, right? Because they're tuning the instrument to be ready for its purpose. God says, I want you to tune your heart. I want you to tune your heart so that you're ready to receive the instruction of the Word. I want you to tune your heart so that the Holy Spirit... When it does knock on your heart's door, that the door will be opened for his work. Worshipful singing is to the Lord. Worshipful singing is to be undergirded by an understanding of God's goodness. It says, give thanks to the Lord, to God. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father. Now why why this? Why, Why say this? Because it says no matter what you're going through, you can give thanks or should give thanks to God. Now listen to me, that's deep theology. Because if something tragic happens in my life, I do not feel like looking at God and saying thank you. But deep theology helps me to understand Genesis 50, 20 says what Satan intends for evil, God intends for good. Uh, a deep theology of thanksgiving understands that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. So he says, I want you to give thanks to God in it. Now listen to me. Thanks to God in death does not look thanks like thanks to God when somebody walks up and hands you a $100 bill. Thanks to God when somebody walks up and hands you a $100 bill is Woo! Thank you, God, you are good. I needed $100 and you put it in my hand. God, oh, you're awesome. Hey, let me tell you, God gave me a $100 bill. Thanks to God in the face of grief and death or sickness looks like this. God, I thank you because I have a deep understanding that no matter what I'm going through, God, you are working in my life. God, you are glorifying yourself in me. God, you're either correcting me or instructing me or purifying me or growing me. Or God, simply this may be for somebody else. So God, I thank you that you're at work. And if in this pain, God, I can bring you glory, then God, thank you for it. It looks like tears. It looks like sadness. It looks like hurt. But it is nonetheless thankfulness that God is alive that God is at work in your life, and He knows what's going on. Worshipful singing is to be varied in form. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. We've already talked about it. There are going to be some times that we sing, and it's this. There are going to be some times that we sing, and it's this. And in moments of sorrow and repentance, we may be singing singing what is known as a dirge. But nonetheless, in the varied form, we're offering adoration to God and declaring that He is the one that is in control of our lives. Why? Why varied? Because God is varied. God is creative. Y'all know where this is headed, right? Surely by now you have figured out how we're going to end this service. If you haven't, I'll give you a clue. Clear your throat. Okay? You kind of know what's about to happen. And I want to ask you this morning, in the instruction of Scripture, to sing to one another, to sing to the Lord, to sing with all of your heart. I think some of you are willing. I think you're ready right now. I think some of us in this room, and, and, and I'll be honest with you, sometimes I'm here. It's, Lord, I'm not willing, but I'm ready to be made willing. Miss Martha, will you ask the gentleman in the foyer to come join us? Tell them we're going to close the service with all of us together. We're going to sing. Certainly they can stand in the back, but just come on in and let's sing together. Take your hymn books, by the way. We're going to do this this route. Let's go to uh, hymn number eight and nine. Does that work for you? Uh, To God be the glory and I sing the mighty power of God.